1: Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. People
2: of turning attention. Calling Tau City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know It's still a little hard for me to hear Please take it slow Welcome to Starship Sofa Part of the District of Wonders network Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders Come and find yours I'm tuning in to your transmissions I'm mooning, waiting to be found I'm
3: This is the Starship Sofa, everybody welcome, hello and welcome to show 668, I am your host Tony C Smith. Hello everyone, I hope everyone is fine and dandy. So 668, we nearly never got this show out but big thank you to Fred, our editor there, who had to kind of step in, step in, dust off the mic and do a fantastic narration. So Fred, a huge thank you for, for for doing that well, and like I think a turnaround of 12 hours as well just amazing thank you so much lad so before we get into the main fiction which I'll tell you actually I'll give you a little hint there it's our old editor Jeremy Sal yes we've got Jeremy on the on the the story and we've got Fred it's the it's the editor showdown <laughs> and Fred doing narration so look forward to that but before that I want to tell you about my little adventures. I am now officially... I don't know if, this is, if you get a badge for it. Cold water swimming. Yes. So about two months ago... I don't know if I've mentioned like a little bit of this on the show before or not. We went out to Port Patrick and I did... We went in the ocean there and I started getting cold showers there. And mother chucker, Scottish water is way, way colder than ours. The, the, the showers were giving us ice cream headaches. But... Coming out, like, almost, like, euphoric. You know what I mean? And uh, Have I mentioned this or not? So, anyway, I've been, since then, getting cold baths. Every night, I've had a cold bath. For nearly two months, I've probably had three normal hot baths. And I'm sure it's just getting rid of, like, say, or really, really taking the edge off migraines. I had, like, little cluster headache migraines, oh, nasty little things. They seem to have, like, kind of diminished and... I don't know, I'm, I'm maybe it's like all kind of placebo, but, but joints aren't aching as much. I'm you know, I've got like a Volvo car now because I'm you know I'm kinda of semi-retired and I've got, I've got my own little jalopy. Well it's lower down than what my other car was, but there's no aches and pains now getting out of it. And energy and everything. So we've been doing like cold water swimming, but when I say we, i Me mostly because we live about a quarter of a mile, not even that, from the sea, so there's no excuse, you know what I mean? And like I say, it's the same kind of thing. You just, yeah, when you get in, do you know what I mean? It's like it's and it's almost involuntary to like, oh oh, mother, (laughs) you know what I mean? You just you can't help, you know. But it's two two or three seconds, and then this just your body tingles and you're aware. And I'm not kind of. Well, I'm I'm a little bit of swimming, but I'm just kind of normally treading water. And there's loads go down and do it now. Do you know what I mean? It's the kind of, because we've got a nice sandy beach. You know, it's from, say, half five till eight. It's a busy little period for, you know, for this kind of wild swimming, wet water, you know, like wet water swimming. (laughs) I just like the dry water swimming. So that's what I've been doing. And I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yes, we did it yesterday. And I loved it, to be honest, did it with one of Ellie's friends. And she wasn't keen at first, but oh now key, now now wants to get a paddleboard, Amy wants to get a paddleboard and do all sorts of things. So have you tried it? Let us know. That would be fantastic. So back to the main fiction. Like I say, we're doing Jeremy today. <laughs> yeah. We've got a story by Jeremy and Fred is narrating, so it's a showdown of Starship Sova's editors. This story was first published in Abyss and, and Apex in December 2017. Jeremy Sall was born in 1995. <laughs> you know what the funny thing is, Jeremy? You're not the young pup no more. That's, you're knocking on. You know what I mean? When you first started, he was wet behind the ears. He was puppy faced and everything, man. He's now weathered, a <laughs> disgruntled writer. <laughs> <laughs> to hell with the world and everyone. He was raised by wild dingoes, which should explain a lot. He spent his childhood exploring beaches, bookstores, and the limits of people's patience. He is the author of over 40 science fiction short stories. His debut novel, Stormblood, a dark space opera about a drug made from the DNA of extinct aliens that makes the users permanently addicted to adrenaline and aggression, is out now from Glance. As the first of a trilogy with *Blind Space*, released sometime in 2021, he was the editor of the Hugo-winning *Starship Sova* until 2020, and has a BA in Film Studies and Creative Writing from UNSW. He craves out a living in Sydney, Australia, with his family. He loves watching weird movies, collecting boutique gins, exploring cities, cold weather, and dark humour. And you can find him at jeremysall.com or on twitter at jeremysall now this story is narrated by fred Heinbar. fred Heinbar lives a pulp fiction life and takes notes his family lives with him warily in ann arbor michigan fred's fiction has appeared in analog science fiction and fact Mr. On, and most recently at Distant Shore Publishing, but he's most proud of that after a long association with the Starship Sofa, working as a narrator, commentator, and fan number one. His story "Fingers" was selected for the Sofa in 2020, and then Tony made him editor. You can also read novels by Fred, published under the name Frederick Gio Heimbar, namely "The Devil's Dictum" and Ronald Reagan's "Brilliant Bullet." His third novel will be released by Liberty Island Media Group in a few months.
4: So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present. Dead Men Walking by Jeremy Zoll It's not easy to live inside the armor, but between getting my skin peeled away like wet paper by the razor storms and my bones shredded to chalk, it's an easy choice. You get used to it after the first two or three months, but only just. I gripped the cold metal of my rifle, my HUD simultaneously scanning for hostiles and displaying the weather conditions on Char. Today, all hell had frozen over, just like yesterday and the day before. The world was gray, the land sculpted into rough shapes by the razor storms. It was trying to do the same to my fire team, shards pelting against our armor and stripping away flakes of polymetal. Loose stones crunched underneath my heavy boots, wet gravel sparkling in the watery light. It reminded me of the cut nuts I used to chew as a kid. Just the thought of proper food made my mouth water. You don't need to eat inside this thing, The nutrients pump in what you need through the right tubes and take out what you don't through others. Of course, it's the getting hooked up to the catheter that hurts more than anything. The exhaust fans were at full blast, fighting off the bitter cold. Trouble was, they were doing their job too well. Sweat snaked down my back, pooled under my arms. I rolled my burning shoulders, glanced back at the rest of my fire team, marching up the hill hugging rifles to their chests like babies. It was pointless venturing out in these storms. No one wanted to go, but Commander Gary had asked it of me. And Commander Gary isn't a man you say no to. Even with the power armor doing most of the work, my legs ached from the long trek up the mountain. This wasn't our standard gravity or oxygen. It'd take generations to adjust to that. This is where the colonists had a leg up. They had had centuries to adapt to the raw conditions here, living independently on the rim of the galaxy. I peered over the edge of the precipice. At the bottom was one of the many settlements scattered around Char, flanked by an armored palisade. In these storms, it was as dead as we expected. I heard muffled breathing as someone approached within range of my helmet mic. "'You okay, Rames? Joe asked. She hefted a heavy hand on my shoulder. "'Been a bit worried since, well, you know.' I grunted a response. It had been the end of a long day, one that hadn't been good to begin with. We'd run into some rebels smuggling stolen arms into their village. Couldn't tell you who started firing first. I just remember getting a chest full of hot metal, the impact spinning me down the cliff and tumbling against solid rock. Our armor repaired minor injuries with self-applying biofoam, antibodies, and a side helping of morphine for the pain, but the fall had broken several important things with complicated names. I was rushed back to base for surgery and a shot full of osteopaths. It seemed to have gone smoothly, and they didn't waste any time strapping me back inside the suit and shoving me out the door. way I figured it, this was probably Gary's idea of punishment for taking a free holiday over in surgery. I elected not to remind him that I'd been unconscious. After a few years of getting a boot up your R's and slammed into the mud, you learn when to keep your trap shut. The razor storm started to lessen up, dying down to the occasional flake. I mentally commanded my armor to hone in on the settlement. The visor zoomed in like I was standing a few meters away. I swept over the cluster of houses, their roofs and supports designed to withstand the harsh environment. People emerged, checking to see that it was safe to venture out. Children, bundled up in thick clothes, played in the market square men using tractors to clear the winding paths of glistening rock shards, allowing families to make their way to natural hot springs. Sometimes, I wondered why anyone wanted to live in this hellhole, light years away from other colonies. Stuff like this reminded me why. They enjoyed the isolation, the independence of it, cut off from the sprawling cities and busy lifestyle, the rigid immigration laws and work permits and education fees. But worth fighting the Union for? God, no! I motioned the rest of the fire team over. They were good men most of the time, Northam, who said too much, and Oshiro, who said too little. You never have bacon? Northam was saying to Oshiro. What's wrong with you, man? Oshiro had carved the number 13, on the shoulder plate of his armor, as a superstitious joke, and it caught the milky light as he shrugged. Couldn't afford the expensive meats where I grew up. I had the same story. The orphanage I'd been dumped in wasn't too fond of feeding us. We were lucky if we got the synthesized stuff. It tasted like plastic, but it was the only thing around, and it didn't stop us from fighting like dogs over it. The scars are still there, buried deep beneath my suit. We'll have it one of these days, Northam was saying, his armor plates grinding as he gestured. One of those thick, juicy slabs with fat thick as rubber. And hash browns, Joe was saying, stretching our arms. Don't forget the hash browns. Yeah, yeah, them too. I smiled. It was nice to banter about it, although we knew we'd never get those luxuries here. I kept looking down at the settlement until Northam approached. We got to go down there? Come on, Ray. My legs are going to be the death of me. Joe laughed. Union men never die, remember? It was an old saying, back when we didn't have our armor and the death rates were much higher. You couldn't tell the folks back home that, of course— had to keep up the morale. So Union men hadn't ever officially been declared deceased, even if someone got their brains splattered out like crushed tomatoes. Although I don't think that anyone under Gary's wing had been killed. People said it was his command, but in reality it's this armor that keeps us alive, keeps us breathing. I started the descent, clambering for purchase on the brittle stone, I didn't need to turn around to know the fire team was following. We picked our way along the cliff's lip, foamy waves slapping the moss slathered rocks far below. There was a rumble as a heap of pebbles started sliding down the cliff. A gawky figure was scuttling down the scree toward the village, monocular in hand. Northam chortled, I think our cover's blown. It's just a kid muttered Oshiro, slinging the rifle on his back. "'We're not trying to hide,' I reminded them. "'Monde was one of the few settlements "'that hadn't welcomed us with a spray of bullets. "'That wasn't to say they didn't hate the Union "'for coming and trying to colonize occupied land, "'but they had the brains not to open fire. "'We were getting the usual stares, "'some in awe of our high-tech gear,' others seething with unconcealed hate. Children were ordered back inside in low voices, stealing back glances and grinning ear to ear. A grizzled man in a padded jacket approached. What do you want? The fingers twitching in the direction of his pistol didn't escape my notice. You heard anything from the other settlements? I asked. I tried to step into his shoes, a hard-working family man, "'staring up at an interloper, armed and armored. "'Anything at all?' "'Like what?' he asked. "'I didn't need to remind him part of our bargain, "'including little tidbits they managed to snag. "'We had peace, and they passed on gossip. "'Any trouble that's been brewing?' "'A shake of the head. "'Nothing. We don't want anything to do with them.' I wanted to believe him. I truly did. But that wasn't my job. A woman sauntered up, black hair whipping about. I've heard something, she said, staring at me dead in the eye despite the mirrored visor. It's Ilium. They spoke about making bombs. Lots of bombs. They wanted to plant them at your base. A chill wormed its way into my body and seeped into my blood. Ah, And here I thought this would be an easy stroll. "'Where's Ilium?' I asked. Settlements were strewn all over Char, some of them out in the open, some buried deep in a labyrinth of underground caverns. I didn't miss the glance the two of them shared, another twitch of the fingers, a few whispers, eyes darting our way, weighing up our lives against their children's lives. My muscles tensed against the skin-tight armor, The tension was so thick I could almost taste it. Surely they weren't so stupid as to open fire. Right? The woman gave the crowd another glance, then forwarded the co-coordinates to my HUD. A blue cube pinpointed the location on my map. I muttered a thank you, sharing the data with the fire team as I crunched back along the gravel. I could feel their eyes drilling holes into me, and I didn't blame them. I hadn't been a fan of the Union when I was a kid back on New Valeron. I was an angry guy, always getting into scrapes, stealing for the thrill of it, sniffing out trouble with the law simply because I could. Then I heard they were looking to expand the colonies and retaking the ones that had wriggled out of their grasp. The pay was good— It'd get me free board, and a man's got to eat. After spending half my life in poverty, it feels good to be a leader, feeling the power and potential at my fingertips, giving commands and having them obeyed. Turns out that I'm good at leading, and I rose through the ranks quickly, but nothing compared to seeing my fire team's easy nods and relaxed body posture when I drew near, knowing that no matter where we went, these guys had my back. "'trusted me to call the shots.' "'I put in a call over to Commander Geary. "'He unfolded on screen, gunmetal gray eyes swimming around in their sockets. "'What do you have for me?' "'His cold, calculating face was at odds with his warm and fatherlike voice, "'as if speaking to a favorite son, a man of contradictions.' Sir, the folks over at Mond say that there's a potential bomb over at Ilium. I gave him a moment to digest that, possibly planning to plant them at our base. Geary's gray eyes narrowed, an instant final decision made. Get over there at once. Permission to use lethal force if you must. We can't risk losing any of our own. Those gray, dark eyes fixed on me like restraining bolts. Union men don't die, Ramez. Remember that. And that was it. He was never really one for chats. My HUD indicated everyone had digested the data. I relayed the conversation with Giri. Everyone ready? Stoked, Oshiro said, polishing his rifle like he was lost in some perverse fantasy. Who knew what went on beneath that visor? I'd known them for months, considered them family, yet I'd never seen any of their faces. I wasn't sure I wanted to. Some masks are better left where they are. Joe shifted her broad shoulders. Lead on, Ray. And I did, marching down a gigantic slab of bedrock, ocean water surging around our feet. The waves collided with stone, leaped into the air, and I wished I could feel the spray on my face. This time it was Northam and Joe who were arguing. Something about what aliens would look like if we discovered them. The blistering wind carried fragments of their conversation my way as we trudged across the slabs of cliffs and long stretches of glossy black sand. Not for the first time, I wish the terrain wasn't so sloped and hostile that it'd be possible to use a buggy that'd carry us all our armor. Oshiro was puffing away next to me, careful not to engage in the debate. I took a moment to stretch. My muscles seemed to be dipped in molten lead, my arms, legs, and shoulders aching. I was coated in another layer of sticky sweat, and my entire body was cramped and chafed. I rubbed the nape of my neck with a heavy arm, the best I'd come to scratching an itch in this suit. You might just get used to wearing this armor, but it's never easy or comfortable. Northam and Joe were just discussing the likelihood of aliens probing us humans into submission. When a spire of black stone shattered, rocks exploded all over us. I hugged the ground, the echoes of a thundering crack dying out through the cliffs. My HUD showed everyone's heart rate, climbing by the moment. Sniper! Joe hissed. My joints locked up, immobilizing me. I checked that my fire team was unhurt as I counted the seconds by. Joe hugged the rock, scraping away grit as she edged along, careful not to get her head blown off. I snapped back into motion and slowly, slowly dragged myself forward. A twinkle in the distance. I zoomed in through the crevice. There! A figure was swaddled up in thick furs, brandishing an angular sniper rifle. Our shooter. My HUD instantly honed in, surrounding his face with a target reticule. Clear shot. I blinked in surprise. That only happened when we started aiming, lining up a hit. I tried to call it off, but it remained on screen. The figure knew we were watching, and confirmed as much with a fingered salute that means the one thing no matter where you were. I almost laughed at the juvenileness of the gesture before I ducked back behind the rocks. The reticule disappeared as quickly as it had come, probably just a glitch. On inspecting the shots, we found that rounds had burned through the rock and burst them open like shrapnel, some kind of explosive round. Look, Joe nodded toward where the bullets had landed. It was nowhere near us. He had time to line up the shot. He could have picked us off clean. Bastard was just trying to scare us. That's one hell of a way to do it, I muttered. But she was right. If the shooter wanted us dead, we would be. It was a warning, marking their territory. The threat of storms thundered in the distance. I didn't think we'd be used for target practice again, but it always paid to be ready. Charging straight in wouldn't be smart either, especially if the chatter about bombs turned out to be true. We'll take the roundabout way, I told my fire team, reconfiguring our pathway on the HUD. Scope the area, make sure we're not falling into ambush. A round of helmeted nods as they automatically filled into our practice formation, each angle covered as we traversed the cliffs. The familiar position, the closeness of my fire team at my back reassured me, lent me focus and protection. But walking through this empty landscape, the whispering wind sweeping crusty flakes and stony shards across the curved rocks like thousands of rattling dice. I wasn't sure I was going to be permitted that luxury for too much longer. A couple of hours later, my HUD beeped. We were getting close. It had been a long walk, fabric rubbing against chafed skin that had just started to heal. There's never enough padding in these suits. Let's get a closer look first, I said over the comms. I wouldn't put it past the villagers to send us on a wild goose chase for the hell of it. But assumptions like that get you killed. I ended up with Joe crawling forward on our bellies. Oshiro and Northam had gone for a bit of scouting, tagging items of interest so that we could get a 3D layout of the land. I peered over the lip of the rock. Ilium was larger than Mond. Much larger. And busier. There had to be several hundred people here. Roaming around, chatting to friends and playing some sort of hollow game Bulky, carmine-colored drones scythed about, helical appendages drilling away at rock surface. And then I saw the shooter. The sniper rifle was leaning against a metal pole, the man himself nursing a steaming thermos. The furred hood had been thrown back, revealing a face as callous and harsh as the world around it. But there was also weariness there. A man tired after a hard day's work, longing for his bed and his family. Didn't matter. He'd fired at four Union soldiers. A shout burst below us. A scout on the opposite ledge, fingering out our hiding spot. Time to go, I picked my way down with the others following. A klaxon whined, the skirl stirring people into action. They hustled their children inside, Slamming the door shut Others came sprinting forward Armed with the occasional pistol I commanded the fire team to halt As they reached the bottom Rifles at the ready Both sides shuffled uneasily Fingers twitching with tension As we faced each other off Someone I assumed to be the leader Marched forward So thin and fragile I half expected the wind to bowl him over What are you doing here? He was practically spitting with rage. Coming here with those tin suits and guns. Threatening us. Let's calm down, I replied, eyeing the armed men behind him. More growls. The serration of feet coughing up dirt and black dust. Sodding bastards. Planting a flag on our land, thinking you can take everything. Now he actually did spit. A few behind him cheered. We want nothing to do with the Union. I wasn't about to debate intergalactic politics here with a dozen guns shoved in my face. I'd be leaving that to Geary. Do you have a bomb? He twisted knife-thin lips. What? Do you-Ramez! Northam's weapon swiveled around, aiming up to a small rock ledge jutting out from the cliff. The sniper was there, weapon locked and loaded. Others shouted in alarm. "'the air filled with the cocking of weapons. "'Leave!' he barked. "'Now!' "'I indicated to the sniper. "'The guns followed. "'He fired at us when we were coming here. "'Sudden nausea washed over me. "'The suit seemed to flare up, "'internal gears whirling against my muscles. Burke shouted the leader. "'You fool!' "'Have you got a supply of explosives?' "'Every word seemed to be a challenge.' "'something I had to fishhook up my throat and out of my mouth. "'Enough with the questions. Get them out of here. Go back to your planet.' "'Don't you dare!' Joe stepped forward, her weapon trained on someone who'd been edging toward a shotgun. "'Of course we have explosives,' the leader hissed. We all stiffened. "'You do?' The tension was cranking up, blossoming in the air. "'It was hard to breathe. My chest was tight as a spring.' I wanted nothing more than to rip the armor away, peel it from my skin, free myself from its grip. I swallowed a mouthful of sticky saliva, blinked away sour sweat. What for? To build our homes, you fool. Blow holes in the cave so we can move underground and get away from the razor storms. We've been doing it for decades. What absolute bull? hissed Northam, tightening the grip around his rifle. They're lying. My armor gave a convulsive shiver, and I couldn't help but stagger, legs threatening to buckle. I was wrapped inside a vortex of static. My breathing was shallow and fast, my heartbeat drumming against my ribs. Through my fizzing HUD, I saw them adjust their aim directly toward me in unison, all clamoring to shout the loudest. My fireteam yelled in response, ordering them back. My skull was pounding, but somehow I couldn't raise my hand to press them against my head, I could only stand there, still, as a statue, as both sides exchanged threats, weapons focused on each other, and held by trembling hands. I tried to order them to stand down, tried to get them to see reason, but I was trapped, frozen in space, locked off from interacting with the world. The armor wouldn't release me no matter how hard I struggled. And then it happened. One of the kids must have gotten loose he came sprinting down the pathway with his mother in pursuit, bawling his eyes out, crying for Daddy. My fire team twisted toward the noise on a reflex, pointing their guns, the kid's screams, echoing through the cliffs. I knew what was going to happen next, but couldn't do a damn thing. The kid's father snapped, fired off a round that pinged on Northam's leg guard. I didn't speak. I didn't even open my mouth. But my suit barked a word using my voice, just one word, but that was all it took. Fire I could do nothing but watch as my fire team obeyed, spitting out a blaze of bullets, wreathing the area with smoke as fast as the breeze could carry it off. Rocks exploded, and stacked pallets shattered into splinters. People staggering back and falling under the wave of gunfire. Blood splattering on rocks, spraying out in clunky spurts. Shots were fired back, tearing near my helmet. Screams rippled out, empty shells clattering to the ground. My blood froze, my heart jackhammering against my ribcage. But I could do nothing but watch, held tight by the armor. And in a few seconds, it was over. The armor released me. I collapsed to the ground, spraying dust. The rancid air reeked of death. There was faint crying as they mourned their dead and clutched at their bleeding wounds, shredded guts and shattered bones, scarlet dribbling between shaking fingers. At least a dozen lay dead at a command that I didn't give, a command that my armor gave. A hand pressed on my back. I didn't have the willpower to shrug it off. You okay, Ramez? Joe asked. Her voice was quivery, like it had just managed to hold something dark back. My mouth was full of sawdust, but I managed to cough out a no. How the hell was I going to explain this? I looked up again at the dead and dying, these people living comfortable lives, happy lives, until we showed up and kicked them into the ground. I straightened up, skin clammy with cold sweat. Find their bombs, I croaked. Then we go. As it turned out, Geary wanted to see me the moment we got back to base. That was fine. I was planning on having a chat with him myself. I stormed down the corridor into Geary's room, eggheads and other techies scrambling out of the way before they got jostled by my hulking armor. How you doing, son? The man himself gave me a look, I could only describe as sympathetic. He looked so petty and pathetic in his little chair. Pretty tough out there today. I blinked. How? I saw it all. Gary stood. Even now, I registered that he was a head shorter than me. A decision was made that you didn't have the balls for. My suit! My hand curled into a fist. That was you?! You know our policies, son. The union comes first. Always has. Always will. But those people! I couldn't be hearing this. They weren't a threat! We didn't know that for certain. Had to be sure. He fixed me with those nasty green eyes of his. I gotta admit, I'm disappointed in you, son. I'm happy to disappoint you, sir! I spat the last word through gritted teeth, gestured to my armor. You don't own me. I'd rather die than be a slave. I'm done. I'm taking this off. Get me out of it. You don't get it, do you? Geary's gunmetal gray eyes rested on me with eerie nonchalance. You're already dead, son. What? I made to move forward, but I found myself grounded, locked in place. The armor shuddered, tingling up my spine and biting into my flesh. Metal and chrome clamped hard around my twitching muscles. That accident of yours, it damaged her spinal cord and broke too many things. Geary circled me like a buyer at a showcase. It would have killed you. You'd be a potato, son. We did what we had to do. Did what? Geary fingered a remote... A hefty, reflective sheet slid down from the ceiling to my left. My armor turned me to face it. A whirling sound thrummed in my ears as my suit shifted. The thumbnail plates on my chest parted, exposing bare, dark skin underneath, glistening with sweat. Except it wasn't bare skin. My body had been studded with glossy metal. Wires wormed in and out of my chest. Flesh was divided by thin lines of steel, as if I'd been pulled apart and knitted back together again, like a puzzle. Broad straps over my shoulders, locking me in. The interior armor was covered with pink-purple tendrils pawing at my flesh. The armor on my arms peeled back, bones toughened with steel of gunmetal gray, veins pumping with something that was too red, too vibrant. And finally... My helmet melted away, revealing what should have been a skull, but instead showcased thousands of minuscule cables, flicking lights and tiny gears, latched to my brain and wiring me into the armor's motor functions. It had become a part of my body, permanently. It was our only chance to save you, son, Gary was saying, wrapping his knuckles against my heaving chest. The suit was the only thing that could save you, the only thing that packed enough juice to keep you living. The plates were folding back up and pressing tight against my skin, the windows of my prison cell slamming shut. Why? I spread my arms. Why? We couldn't lose you, son. You're the perfect success story, street rat turned union soldier. Your fire team would follow you to hell and back. Union men never die, Rames, not on my watch, and certainly not you. You son of a bitch, the word passed my lips, but weren't spoken, weren't broadcasted. I was muzzled, unable to speak, and fastened in place like an ant in amber. We need a leader, Ramez, one with your reputation, and one who will do exactly what needs to be done, no matter the cost. He gestured to me, his prize pig. And now we have one. I was suddenly able to speak again. Pull the plug, I croaked. This isn't living. I spread my arms, arms that no longer belonged to me. I'm a freak. Gary shook his head. Sorry, son. You'll stay here and you'll do your duty for the Union, as long as we need you. You're dead, and the dead don't make decisions. I didn't bother telling him he couldn't do this. He already had. I'd be forever locked to this throbbing bundle of flesh and metal and armor and nerves. I'd never feel the wetness of the ocean on my face, never be truly a part of my fire team, never get to taste bacon with them. We've had a scout report. A settlement's had a truckload of artillery shipped in. See to it. Your next assignment will come shortly afterwards. The armor jerked, machine contorting flesh and wrestling me out of the room. I was powerless to stop it. Geary lingered in the doorway. One day you'll thank me. You'll see. Then he was gone. As I marched down the hallway, forever strapped in my armored prison, I wondered which one of us was actually doing the walking. A bitter laugh coughed from my lungs. Or was it a sob But it didn't matter. Nothing mattered anymore. I was dead. A dead man walking. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: Oh, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. Like, big hugs, like big hugs. Thank you. Listen, lad, thank you so much. You, you are still a little puppy in my eyes. Not this weather-beaten narrator, bad tempered at everyone. And Fred... Yeah, you pulled that off, lad. What a a hero! What a guy! Thank you, Fred. Honestly, thank you so much for everything, there, lad. So that is Starship Sova's six hundred and sixty-eight. Put to bed. I am not going cold water swim today. I'm going to bed. I was on night shift, and this baby needs his beauty sleep. Until next time, just like you say, Good night from me. Thank you for listening.
2: Going slowly, won't get to you anytime soon. Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio. I wanna talk to you. This signal's going light speed. By the time I get my say, I might already be. you're so far from here and at best i'm moving slow so i'm waiting on your call at home with nowhere to go can you reach me is my signal getting through turn on your